Welcome to the Fantasy Football Collective Podcast. This is your host, J-Dub. Sunday night here, week two, NFL season. Some incredible action today. Uh, just love, love, love the competition and never give up attitude, especially that game in uh, Dallas, Atlanta. Looked like it was a surefire loss and uh, McCarthy being on the massive hot seat. And they pull it out 40-39. Uh, Chiefs, Chargers, what a game. She's pulled that one out. Just finished the Denver uh, Nuggets Lakers conference finals game two. Clutch, clutch shot by Anthony Davis. Uh, just awesome sports action all around. I love it's back, bringing some sanity to all of our lives. Got to enjoy it. Um, anyhow, a lot of injuries today, too, though. Won't talk much about them. But anyhow, we got a great guest for you on the flip side. DC's here to talk college fantasy football. So. We're going to get it on the other end. Hope you enjoy this show. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Hey. Don't catch you slipping now. Hey. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Hey. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Look how I'm living now. Welcome to the show, DC. Thank you. Thank you. Great to be here. I've, I've loved this podcast. I love talking college football and, and especially college fantasy. I, so thanks for having me on. Well, I, I, I got to thank you because uh, we've been doing college fantasy football, which I think we're one of like 40 or 50 people in the country that do it. Um, <laughs> and we've been doing it for, I think we started, I'm trying to think the first season was Mark Ingram's Heisman Trophy winning oh, season. Oh, wow. Okay. Junior. So it was like 2009-ish. That thing kind of blew up this year, right? Because yep. of uh, everything going on in the world, everything. COVID, coronavirus, uh, 2020 <laughs> craziness. Um, and you really saved our, our bacon by kind of pulling up the reins and throwing together a, a different version of the same group of people. So I appreciate yeah. that. You know, it's one of those things that I think that um, is, and this is like, it's so, I say this tongue in cheek, but it's like the purest we're am this is for amateur there's no money into it you know we we do this because we love the we love football and even though there's zero stakes it's just something that i approach it as like you can go as deep as you want to go you can just draft the guys names you've heard and and the one thing that i really love about college fantasy is is it it informs my other f fantasy football pursuits because i know I know th these are known quantities when I'm drafting for another dynasty league or a pro dynasty league. I said, Oh, I know this kid got Chris Godwin from Georgia tech. You know, you know, Oh, he's going to fit in well in this system. So I, that's kind of how I approach it. And um, to be honest, I'm just a college fantasy football geek and I wanted to be able to enjoy the games with not, not nothing on the line, but some sort of stake in, Oh yes, I, that's my quarterback. If he can drop five touchdowns, I'll I'll beat uh, I'll, I'll beat Wetzel this week. So um, yeah, it's it's quite fun, and I I wanted to do it even though there's not the full collective of, of group of guys, but um we have a good quorum, I'll say. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, look, I, I I agree with you. I actually tend to overvalue the guys I had in the college league in Definitely. pro. Oh yeah, um, I'm always taking flyer. Like Daryl Williams <laughs> is a guy I've had on and off for a couple of years because I had him at LSU and he won yeah. me a couple of key games back yeah. in the day, even though he's yeah. like a scrub now yeah. uh, or a nice backup in KC. What's your take on 
COVID and how that's sort of creating this split landscape in college football, particularly we can talk about both the big five, but also the next year of of conferences, which a lot of them just are punting on the season. Yeah. Um, What's your take on how that's ravishing what we know? So I think there's a couple things to it. I I guess the elephant in the room is just like the idea that the idea that we're canceling this um, to, to, to preserve the players or the, the safety of the players is, it's kind of nonsensical considering a doctor runs out on the field after every other play yeah. to check on the health of these guys. <laughs> and also the, also the idea that like Stony Brook can play and has the funds to be testing their players, but not say like the Stanford of the, these institutions with tons of um, endowments that they, that they, that, so if we set that to the side, you know, and I think everyone has to set some sort of um, moral, moral, um, issues with college football to the side to actually enjoy the sport. I do think that there's like, as a fantasy team, as a doing fantasy, like, like you mentioned earlier, there are, there aren't that many people that are covering this from a fantasy aspect. So getting any info from any of these schools is incredibly difficult. So you're kind of like scouting depth charts or you're trying to find you're trying to find a beat writer for Mississippi state and what's he saying about practice and, and, and COVID has kind of suffocated some of that news reporting where they're covering one aspect of the game. And that's like the COVID tests or how they're treating COVID or asking the players, like, how are you guys approaching the game or travel and things like that? So it's, it adds a new level of difficulty. I know that, that some, some, we, we tend to limit kind of our, our teams to the power five, I think that is probably more helpful this year because you don't have kind of that, that knowledge base of all of the other teams. When you set this up, obviously we can't do Pac-12 because they're out. Uh, Big, I think when it was set up, Big 10 was out and now they're back uh, potentially, or they are, I think. uh, Yeah. Let's assume. Were we able to draft their players? I don't remember. Yeah, we were. Yeah. I mean, but you're taking, like you said, it's like, there is there's this different not just landscapes but almost like schedules so yeah so we have sec kicking off next week but we don't have like people are you know your people are drafting these big 10 players and they're not i mean they're not even planned to do to take the field until october 24th so you know if that's part of your strategy is drafting heavy you're trying to get value for a playoff run that's one strategy there's also i don't know that you've mentioned it yet but just drafting kind of these high-powered, big big uh, 12 um, offenses and relying on just the massive amount of points they put on. But you yeah. do have to kind of weigh those two things against each other. Yeah, I'm not a seven-on-seven football fan, a.k.a. Big 12 <laughs> conference, but I did take advantage of the strategy and took a yeah. couple Oklahoma Sooners. Um, so I, I, I suspect you probably don't want to wade into this, but I, I do want to get your take. So what's your what's your opinion on the fact that these schools are proceeding with football, but many of them are keeping students away from campus and they're not oh, playing yeah. any other intercollegiate, intercollegiate sports. Yeah, I think, but you know, I think that that is like, that's their only, like the minute they do that and say, we're going to a bubble, the farce of amateurism is off. And, and, and it kind of likely is already, but I think that once that's like, oh, we'll just put, let's see, it's worked for NBA. You know, the idea that they that the players could collectively organize and ask for things like that, like and and in my mind, I think that that's a big reason why 
the Pac-12 was just like, I, we don't want to address this because it's a can of worms. And as soon as we give these players an opportunity to collectively bargain for their safety to say, we'll move you to a bubble, the farce of amateurism is done. And everyone realizes really what it is by saying, this is a different class of student. They are protected in a bubble, but we have all these other student athletes that don't make us money on you know, the volleyball team and, and the track team. And they, they just live in the dorms. So it's the revenue producing kind of rather than, kind of sort that out. I think that a lot of the conferences that did cancel were just like, we're not going, we're, we're just going to cancel. I think that's my take on it. I think that there are re other reasonable opinions and, and maybe more nuanced opinions about actual epidemi epidemiology, uh, can't say that word now. Yeah. Epidemiology um, concerns. But I just, I just think that that's one, like one of the influencers. What, where where does this leave us though? Like, do you think in and that we're on a, this slippery slope towards two different classes? Like, you've got the SEC and potentially a few other independents or other conferences where they're basically like, "Hey, we're essentially going to play pro yeah. pro minor league football." And then there's another class of potentially the Pac-12, um, but also like the you know the schools that are like, "Hey, we actually truly want to be college and we need equality yeah. and like we can't afford to pay or whatever it may be." Sure. Do you see two classes happening or do you think we get through this period and football? I, you, I mean, I, I think that this is, listen, I, not just college football. I think this, this whole, uh, this is like the tide goes out and we get to see everyone who is everyone who is actually treading water or is standing on, on, on the beach. Right. Yeah. And I think that there are a lot of, um, a lot of people who the tide went out and they didn't have clothes on. So it's exposed rot in our systems, not unique to college football or revenue generating sports in college football, yep. but a lot of other things. And I think that we already kind of sensed that before that there was this separating class with the SEC and some of the, you know, those big money institutions. Pac-12 is obviously the quality of education there is much higher than you might get at some of the state schools in the South. And I do think that those administrators are making a conscious decision to err on the side of that this is a, that these institutions are about higher education and not sports. So yeah. well, you see it in the endowments. But I did find it really interesting. The University of Utah, for example, furloughed their entire athletic department, including the coaches. And, oh yeah. Um, and and that's a you know it's a solid, great state school in yeah. one of the Power Five conferences. So yeah, for them to do that, it's crazy. That's interesting that you point that out as well, because like if you game that out, what are the, like we always get so focused on the fast thinking, right? Like how are we, be, how are we reacting to what we're seeing now? But if you like long thinking of what, what are we seeing for like the second order effects of this? Like what is my, oh, here's my daughter. Um, is it, is it, it's family time. The other things is how does this play out for recruiting? Like if people are concerned, like if you're, if you're an athlete, like are you going to a school where, you're, you don't know if that that they're going if we have flare ups next season. Or are you going to choose to go to schools that are more likely to cancel the season? And the money, like you said, is they're not getting those that revenue this year. So how are they how are they going to continue to put these recruiters on the road? Are they going to fund the de athletic departments to be able to field sports and compete with the Texas A and M's of the world that have a large a large endowment? still are generating all this revenue and have these boosters that give to the program 
that uh, want to see uh, the sport carry on and continue. Yeah. Well, I'll just leave it at that for this topic. I, I'll just say I'm excited to see this because to your point, the tide's out. We can, it's much clearer to see what is or isn't. And I do think, I do believe it will lead to some fundamental change. I do. Which I think is probably healthy. And there's a, there's a consortium of things. Think about even what happened with the, the admission scandal stuff, which was yeah. rooted in the sports where I'm buying my kid in on a fake athletic entry oh, yeah. point. That's another element. You touched on the conference implications and just the, the crazy schedules. What do you think happens? Let's just talk about, you know, so fantasy, we got to pick players each week. Yep. Schedules are crazy. But let's just play this out a little bit. We normally do like a 10-ish week regular season, maybe yeah. 11. And then we do a couple of weeks of playoffs. But now we've got this situation where you're probably going to have the Big Ten playing into January. Yeah. Right? Uh, probably. I, I, well, I, they, I, I guess right now they're going into 12-15. So like they, because they, want, they still want to be in that playoff and they need that playoff. They need that playoff cheddar. So they want to finish up their regular season. There's, I think so they're, they end on December 12th. But, you know, the, traditionally, we're getting that championship week. And so they only have like six or seven teams playing on December 5th. So it's, it's a much uh, more extended season. And then the, then the uh, like Big Ten plays that championship on December 19th. But yes, you're absolutely right. Where we see the SEC goes on a bye, you still have, you're seeing two, two more games from some of the, some of the other schools. Yeah. So, so I guess that the net of it is another is another part of the tide going out is they're so concerned about money that they're like, screw player safety. We're going from October 24th, no bye weeks every week until the 15th. And then the championship game is probably the weekend before Christmas. I'm yes, assuming it is. Yeah. It's on yeah. the 19th. Yeah, I can't believe that. So what happens to bowl games? Do you think bowl games happen this year or do you think those get I blown up? I think some conferences are going to find partners. We're going to do a partnership with like if the ACC and the big 10 align and say, you know what, if we'll have our winning, if you make, if you bowl eligible six or seven wins, we'll match up kind of our standings of those that are not going into, but I don't know that, I don't know that we're going to see these bowl committees, you know, that, that are, are standing up like these bowls in Tampa where they're trying to get fans to come visit the stadium. So I think that they'll find ways to have bowls as, as we might um, see them. I don't know if we're going to see the same like Atlantis bowl or the Bahamas bowl and the beef O'Brady bowl. Wouldn't it be nice for these conferences just to get together and be like, we're going to do a real playoff. Like this would be the year to do it. Yeah. It would be the year to do it. At least, yeah. at least like eight to, or 12 or even 16, which is by the way, 16 team is exactly what every division of, of, of uh, college football D two, three, they play 16 yeah. team tournament. Yeah. So, yeah, it would be really something this, if, if, you know, I think that there is, just, I think they are so disorganized and being completely reactive about all of this that, you know, they're just trying to get a season much rather than thinking about innovative ways to make it like, if it were me, I would might say every team's playing five games regular season. And then we're doing that within a conference yeah. of saying like, Hey, we still want to draw some interest, but isn't it a little fascinating that we went from, you know, Utah Jazz have a player contract COVID on March, <laughs> I don't know, 12th or 13th yeah. was the date. And the NBA shut down everything within 24 hours of that match. Yeah. And then all professional sports are basically shut down by that like Saturday or Sunday. And yeah. now we're having college football programs that have 30 
or 25 or 30 positive tests right now, like in this, yeah, like like last they, two like weeks. The, they had to cancel, right? They couldn't feel and, the team. And they're not shutting it down. They're continuing yeah. to play. Like, is, yeah. does that seem like a, a big shift in like our thinking and willingness to proceed in six months? It's so, I don't know, football in general is always kind of the tip of the spear on some of this. And sports too, like you said, it's like no one really took coronavirus seriously maybe until the, yeah, like you said, Rudy got it and it was like, shut it down. And we had this kind of reckoning. I don't, I think the toothpaste is out of the tube when it comes to football. And you're right. It is like, if we're thinking about priorities, like there's no reason if we have a team that all has COVID that we're just going to take a couple weeks off and shut it down. I think that, I think that they're just going to plod through whatever happens and for better or for worse, we're going to get football this year and they'll just cancel ad hoc. I it's, it's truly one of a kind. We'll never see anything like this again. That's hope. (laughs) Um, So, so I, so in, in the way you're, the way we're proceeding, the way you think about it is season will start next week for the fantasy college league. Yeah. And we're going to have this mixed bag of, I guess we'll have a plethora of players starting October 24th. Mm-hmm. But until then, we, we're like yeah. pulling from the dregs a little bit. Sure. And yeah. then our season will be what, 10-ish weeks? And then yeah, a couple weeks, weeks. playoffs? And, and even, even, the, even our league has it sorted out kind of how we're doing playoffs. We have two weeks of playoffs. And so whether that's kind of a couple cage matches where we take the four highest scoring teams in that last week of the season, or we we're going to have to kind of make it up as we go along and just and be a little bit reactive. But I think that in my mind, and in my mind, we'll probably do that the bowl week matchup, or maybe the top four teams play in some sort of playoffs, and we do we do a cage match for maybe the fourth on some on some level, and let that last couple of weeks of the season to determine. And we'll 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 crown a champion, but it might be messy along the way. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and that makes sense. I mean, that's, that's, yeah. this has been a messy year. So, yeah. so who do you think of as, as breakout players, like guys that you're excited about? And yeah. I think we talked about this pre in the note show notes around Joe Burrow, you know, last year at this time, Joe Burrow had actually last year, this time he'd already kind of exploded, but like 13 months ago, we were looking at LSU saying, they might have a yeah. weakness at quarterback because their yeah, quarterback yeah. from the previous year who had started a handful of games was a guy named Joe Burrow, who looked pretty marginal, quite frankly, not that great. He didn't look bad, but he didn't look great. Yeah. And then he exploded to have the greatest season in, in college football history, almost Barry Sanders-esque. For those who don't remember, Barry Sanders came out of nowhere actually due to injuries, Yep, um, had an, a magical Heisman Trophy winning season, just like Joe Burrow, and then goes on to a, a fantastic pro season. Who's this yeah. year's Joe Burrow? This is controversial and and it's way off the radar, but I think it's KJ Costello in Mississippi State. It's the most arm talent. He's the most arm talent Mike Leach has ever had at quarterback. He's got a giant. He's just got a cannon on his arm, and he's gonna. They're just gonna throw the ball around Mike Leach style. I think that he's gonna turn a lot of heads. Not only he he's not gonna have Burrow numbers. That's that's one in a million. But uh, he's gonna put up. He's gonna put up like four thousand yards. I really think so. That's a good call. It's a good call. Yeah, I mean, you're, um, you're right. Le- Leach likes to throw. If he could, he'd throw a hundred times a game. If he could get a hundred offensive plays off, right, right. and he he slings it around. The the one counter I would make is if this was KJ Costello, Washington State style, where their schedule is a little bit more, you know, 
SEC is tough. Yeah. Like, it's tough defenses, and he's not going to have the skill position talent. I mean, may- maybe he will. I don't know. Yeah. But that's a tough one. Yeah. I, I think that he's going to turn heads. I, I don't know that he's going to – I mean, I don't think they're going – I don't think those guys are going um, – Oh, going to win ten games or anything, but I do think that he's going to be uh, this time next year, this time next year or, or before the draft. They're going to be talking about him as a first round pick after getting to see what he can do. Interesting. I, I do like it as a Stanford fan. I know the uh, and he's a former Stanford player. Yeah. started for them and 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 transfer. I believe part of the reason he trans he, he was a he's post grad, so he was able to like yep. just take up classes. And I think that happened over the summer. And I think he probably had inkling that. Stanford wasn't going to play because he had one more year of eligibility. Uh, but he was a top recruit. Uh, actually, he's from the same high school, I believe, as Carson Palmer. Uh, I think he's a perfect fit for Leach. And, and like, I, like I said earlier, he's never had that type of talent to work with. He's, he's retreading like Gardner Minshew's or Anthony Gordon's. Uh, so I'll throw a name out there only yeah. because – and this is kind of a cheap one, mostly because that's just how this, this guy yeah. does. But similar to you, Mike Leach – there's a guy named Spencer Rattler, yes, who is uh, starting Rattler. starting quarterback in Oklahoma. Oklahoma coaches love. I mean, he just puts up numbers. This guy probably should Absolutely. just be given a twenty million dollar a year deal by some NFL owner to come in and and run their offense. But I feel like he's similar to Mike Leach, KJ Costello. Actually, yep. if KJ Costello was in Oklahoma. I'd actually even be because of the situation, yeah. because of the defensive situation and whatnot between the SEC and Big Twelve. What about some running backs, some wide receivers? There's some obvious guys that I really like for if you're thinking about this from a from an NFL standpoint. Like Travis Etne is clearly yep. a great name to remember. He's someone who's probably a second, third round pick. Pretty dynamic, plays for Clemson. He's been great all all three years. Uh, obviously, Trevor Lawrence, everyone loves. In fact, anyone who's tanking this year in the NFL is pretty much tanking yeah. Lawrence. You know, let, um, let me disagree with you on like Trevor Lawrence because I think that some of his upside is limited. And I think they're gonna get they're gonna throw that new kid DJ Ugalalea in. He was like he was an ESPN 100 top overall recruit, mm-hmm. and I think they're gonna want to give him some run um, in the second half. So and and they're going to be up by so many points that they're just a dominant offense and that he's going to get some run in the second half. And I think that limits some of, some of Trevor's upside. So obviously you, you, you talk about, Tre- about Trevor, you, you mean Travis Etne? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought we were talking about Trevor Lawrence. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I, was, actually, well, I threw out, I threw out both names. So you're, you're good, but you're okay. saying you think they're going to actually uh, rotate this, the younger running quarterback in yeah, to give him that, some, yeah, I think that I think that a lot of those, and this is kind of the, that new age college football is like if you get those top recruits, you need to play them. You need to play them, or they're transferring. And we've seen that multiple times of guys not getting their run. And yeah, um, we Fields. just saw like like Tua's little brother. He, was, he didn't feel like he was getting on the field enough, even on Saban, and he transferred to Maryland. That sounded, so, that, that seemed like there's some back channel there. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, I wasn't trying to say Trevor Lawrence would be Heisman. I think Trevor Lawrence is a I was just sort of making the call that he's going to right, be a okay. guy that someone's going to draft number one overall. He's likely. Oh, absolutely. 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 From a fantasy, from a fantasy, fantasy perspective, I think his upside might yeah. be a little limited. I do think he's a generational talent at quarterback. So yeah. I, um, they just might not need to air it out as much as, as we think. So, and like you said, that's, that only is at the end, like, tra- like their running back squad is, 
is going to put up big, big numbers. Totally. Because I forget the guy's name behind Etne, but he was a top recruit and he looks spectacular as well. He's yeah, Lynn, Lynn J. Dixon. Yeah, exactly. Um, They've got another yeah. guy too who's a freshman this year. Yeah. Um, just so you, so Trevor Lawrence, right? QB1, he looks the part. Yes. I think he's generational talent. I do think he's a generational talent, I, but I don't, from a fantasy standpoint, it's like, it's just one of those things when yeah. your offense is that dominant, especially in the ground game, you don't need to kind of, you don't need to chuck it around, like you said, 40, 50 times. Like Mike Leach is going to be down in every game. So yeah. like, you're going to turn to their quarterback. Flip side um, of that is Clemson's basically playing an ACC only schedule. Right. So, like the right. Big 12 right. teams, it's like they're a big boy team playing yeah. against kind of like small boy teams. And so, yeah. who knows? I, but I, I, I agree do, with your point with Lawrence. Obviously, you've got like Kylan Hill and Najee Harris, Chuba Hubbard, Chuba Hubbard in Oklahoma State, though he had a terrible game just this weekend. Yeah, um, only had about 80 yards. I think that Isaiah Spiller is going to have a big year at Texas A&M. That's and C- uh, CJ's younger brother, by any chance? Yeah, that's right. It is interesting. Um, kind of a sleeper, I think, is Deshaun Corbin in Florida State. We'll see. Their offensive line is terrible, but we'll see if if any of their quarterbacks pan out with Blackman and and um, they actually have uh, Purdy Chuba Chuba Purdy, which is Brock Purdy's younger brother who could be a freshman that makes a difference in Florida state. Um, we'll see if he ends the year with that job. Very highly, highly recruited sought after prospect. Um, so you're throwing out some dynasty guys. Yeah. Some basically true freshmen, like the quarterback in Clemson and the running back behind Etna. You just mentioned he's yep. a sophomore who are the, who, if you were trying to figure out like, what are the true freshmen that are going to be spectacular yeah. come next year when so they get back to you, normal? If you're thinking about like drafting for a dynasty and this is like, you need to consider this is like, is I always look at as guys in fantasy who, you know, they need to be going to a system that is rock solid, that puts up just explosive numbers yep. a- and they need to be getting a lot of playing time either this year or next. So I'm kind of looking at the, uh, the offensive and you have DJ um, or late. Clemson running I'm quarterback. Butcher that. Yeah, I think that yep. he's uh, he's definitely looked at as the heir apparent when Trevor when uh, Lawrence le- leaves. Yep. And um, you know, I think that yeah, like like we mentioned, he's gonna they're gonna they're gonna, they're gonna need to let him get see the field um, to keep these guys from transferring. I think Bryce Young is another one. Alabama. Mac Jones is the starter there, but we'll see if he holds on to the starting job by the end of the year. I don't think that what we saw of Mac Jones is blowing anyone away and and Saban likes to mix that up he likes to give his his younger guys a little bit of of a little bit of run I think a little under the radar is that Delora he he's up in Washington State and I think that he's probably the third and and then fourth is that is Brock Purdy's younger brother in Florida at Florida State Mike Norvell he was the coach of Memphis last year they went 11 and one before that Arizona State and so he's led some pretty good offenses with pretty good fantasy quarterbacks. He's got the pedigree, obviously. And I think that if Blackman doesn't, doesn't turn out or turns the ball over, he's going to get some, get some looks early. He'll get canned basically. Yeah. I running back. I like that. I like the, uh, Diamante trait training, train him. Is that training him in Arizona state? I think he's a, he's a true freshman that will get, will get some looks. And at Texas, they got Bijan, Robinson, who is a no, yeah. the number one running back recruit, yeah, and he he's gonna he's gonna they're gonna be Texas is gonna put up crazy numbers with Ellinger and and some of their running backs. So 
Well, hopefully we yeah. get a little Pac-12 football this year. I would hope. I, I need that. I don't know what else to do on Saturday nights after everyone's gone to bed. I know. Well, and those are those are our, you know, that's at least those are my schools. Like I went to a small right. little Bard school in the middle of the country, but growing up in the Pac-12, you know, I'm a Pac-12 fan, so yeah, I need it back. Who are you, who are your guys? Who are your guys that are jumping off that for that dynasty? Who you're? I know we're, this is kind of a one-off year this year, but if we're looking at next year, who are you looking to? Who are you looking um, to evaluate to p- p- pick up in a dynasty league? Well, you call them. I mean, you called actually every one of those names out. The Texas kid in particular. I don't play in a Big Twelve league, but I saw a film of him from high school. Yeah. Uh, Bijou uh, Robinson, or however you pronounce his first name. Yeah. He looks pretty spectacular. Um, I, and I, I do like the Clemson quarterback. Uh, you know, I've seen him as well. I generally, you know, because you just don't know how these guys are going to translate. So I agree with mm-hmm. you on looking at program, looking at where they were ranked uh, recruiting-wise. And then I, I will do a little bit of research on – what are the local beat writer kind of like reporters saying about practice? Like who's standing right. out? And this year I just really haven't had any of that information. So I, I really Absolutely, don't know. Yes, exactly. Um, but I do like, there's something about Debo Sweeney, whether you like him or not, he's his energy, his like, there's something about him. I think that oh, program's yeah. rolling in a way that Alabama actually was like six, seven years ago. I think yep. Clemson's now that Completely squad. Agree. So I'm looking at teams that are coming on the rise. Again, if I was doing Big 12, I'd be the Texas team's pretty pretty solid, and obviously always gets good recruits. They just have a hard time to winning the last couple yeah, years. Oklahoma is a machine offensively. Uh, yes, yeah. Um, and then the Pac-12, you know, it's I think Oregon does it always does a pretty good job. You know, Stanford had a good run there on the, from a running standpoint. They've kind of fallen off, but uh, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. know. It's interesting. Yeah. So. It's, who's, it's your, pretty, who's your who's your number who do you think is your number one guy like who who is your who's your guy and we can talk about this a little later is this the guy that is just going to be the mr college football last year it was burrow but yeah the the, the heisman lead or who's your heisman guy i would probably look at actually to be to be uh, here's my my take we we talked about this guy a lot today but I'm going to call him out again. And the reason why is because I think America is looking for like some stability mm-hmm. and recognition. I think, it, I think you could see Trevor Lawrence take it. And I think yeah. you take, you're going to see it because I don't think Clemson's going to be challenged much yeah. given their schedule. He's everyone. He's on the top of everyone's mind. Everyone wants y'all American. Like, yeah. you know, and I just think he, he might even not put up that great of numbers, but his team will be undefeated. He'll look great okay. and he'll win it because of that. I think someone has to steal it like uh, or come out of nowhere like a Barry Sanders did or like Joe Burrow yeah. to, to, to win it from Lawrence. So you'd need like a Spencer Radler or you know, a KJ Costello or some running back just to put up mm-hmm. insane numbers. Yeah. But it just feels like this is a year where we're going to play everything safe and the voters are just going to vote the guy that makes sense. And, and, yeah. he's, and he's not going to do anything. That, I mean, if they lose a game and he doesn't play well, then all bets are off. I think, I think that's the smart money. I, I think I have two. I think that probably, I think Rattler's just going to put up monster numbers at Oklahoma and in Lincoln Riley's system. He's not kind of the, he's not a, he's not like a Baker or Kyler guy, but I think he's going to put on, put up huge numbers. So he's probably what, who I think will have statistically the best season in college football. Yep. He, uh, let me give you a little outlier that I think that, that just considering what you just mentioned, Ian Book at Notre Dame, 
You know, he's going to be, he's going to have that afternoon Notre Dame prime or uh, game on NBC every Saturday. You know, their, their schedule is, and it doesn't have the powerhouses of the big, t- the, the big 10 teams this year. And so they're playing in that ACC schedule. If they beat, if they can beat Clemson, what week do they have Clemson? If they can, if he outduels him, Ian book could be considered, you know, if they run the table and Ian book puts up pretty decent numbers, I think that that's kind of a long shot. I'm just get, just trying to think through that schedule and, and the implications of it. Yeah. They've got a running back there. that looks really good too. I picked him up. Caron, maybe it was like carry on Johnson. That's not carry on Johnson, but I'm blanking on his name, but he, they look like they could, I mean, that look, that's a, that's a wild card for the ACC, given that they're being pulled in, they've got some decent talent mm-hmm. and they could, they could make a run at it. Right. They could, yeah. that's, that's a, that's a pretty strong team yeah. to throw at Clemson. I think between them and Florida state, that's really, they're the only true test in that conference. You're absolutely right. And like you mentioned, Kyron, Kyron Williams from Notre Dame. He's Kyron he's, Williams. That's yeah, right. He's, he is quick and he, they actually have his backup is Chris Tyree, which was, one of the one of the five star running backs. So they yeah. they're loaded in the backfield, and they always recruit offensive line well. So you know it'll be interesting to see how they play in that ACC schedule, a little uh, lighter than what they're used to. You know, they schedule some big games in the Big Ten, and and it, as an independent, they're given that flexibility. But yeah, they, their their schedule isn't as hard this year, um, other than that that Clemson game. Yeah. Well, DC, I really appreciate all the time. It's been awesome. I know yeah. we're on Zoom so much for our regular world and lives. It's, uh, but it's always nice to talk a little sports. Yeah, absolutely. Thank Maybe you for having me. Let's again. check in. Maybe we check in a, a little later in the season. Let's discuss how if, how the things are playing out and 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 some of the some of our big bets on on guys who we think w- would would make some noise and whether we were right or not. I love it. Maybe late October or early yeah. November once we've got the maybe the Pac-12 is back. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Maybe a little maybe a little Big 10 action will definitely be back. They'll be like week 1, which is crazy. So, well, I hey, it. I appreciate it. Thank you yeah. very much. If you guys have enjoyed listening to this, go find the podcast at your favorite uh, directory, the Fantasy Sports Collective, and I hope everyone has a great day. Stay safe, stay sane, stay positive and enjoy college football, pro football, and everything. This is a panacea of sports right now. We've got it all going on. So, yeah. Okay, DC, have a good one. Take care. Bye-bye. Before we leave, let me tell you a little something. Uptown, funk you up. Uptown, funk you up. Uptown, funk you up. Uptown, funk you up. I said, uptown, funk you up.